1: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: All right, our next guest, his name is Russ. Adams. Well, let me tell you about it. This past Sunday, an icon of Minneapolis business announced it would be closing its doors. Chats Saddle Shop will start a liquidation sale tomorrow as the store plans to end its 115 year run in business. Again, that's 115 years. In business now, how big of a of a deal is this? As Lake Street continues to rebound from everything that allowed businesses um, down, slowed down a lot of those businesses in 2020, well, you remember, not long ago. So we have to ask Russ Adams about this because the Corridor Recovery Initiative, uh, as the manager for the Lake Street Council, gives us an an update on all the efforts happening along the way. And he joins us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. How you doing, Russ?
0: Sherilyn, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for having me on.
2: Welcome. Okay, i got to start out here by saying, tell us a little bit more about the Corridor Recovery Initiative. What do you do?
0: Well, you know, what we're trying to do is help the various businesses, retail stores, restaurants on Lake Street make a full recovery. And, you know, as as most of your listeners will remember, it's a little over two years ago that we lost a number of businesses and buildings during the civil unrest. And, you know, when I talk about this, I always try to recognize from the very beginning that there was a man who was murdered in Minneapolis uh, by in Minneapolis police officers. Yep. In broad daylight. In broad daylight, in front of children, and mm-hmm. the whole world saw it. And, um, you know, that's, that's what led to the civil unrest. Um, I think Minneapolis has been irrevocably, irrevocably altered and changed from that racial reckoning, as, as we all know. Um there were also many business owners who lost their life's investments during the civil unrest. And, you know, we're talking about the most localized and impacted economic generators in our city. Small, uh BIPOC owned businesses, immigrant owned businesses, so the kind of cultural district corridors that really drive tax base in Minneapolis. And they had already gone through so much, uh, if we remember, right? We had the pandemic, we had an economic downturn, a sudden recession, um, this tragic racial reckoning that reverberated across the globe and extensive property destruction, um, due to the civil unrest a little over two years ago. So right. what are they experiencing? They're, they're trying to build back. Many of those businesses were helped, um, by, uh, the We Love Lake Street Fund, which was, Something that we raised over $11 million to help those businesses repair their damage, uh, restore their inventory, uh, get back set and set back up on, on the corridor. Um, but they're struggling, you know, with a diminished customer base that's related to COVID and the way that people shop now and, um, you know, other perceptions about the safety, uh, of commercial corridors in the city. So they're struggling with a lot at the moment, but there's some good success stories as well.
2: Can you explain to me what commercial corridors are? I'm not sure.
0: Well, just think of uh, if you've ever driven down Lake Street and you'll see Mm -hmm. all kinds of different retail stores. Uh, Yes. You'll see restaurants. You'll see uh, businesses that provide a a needed service. They might specialize and uh, cater to a cultural community. Um, But you know those are those are sort of the, the the corridors where an entrepreneur can get a foothold and get a start get a business going and um, build some equity and some wealth in their in their families and maybe pass that on so Lake Street has always been a place where entrepreneurs can get a, a fresh start um, and start a business and that 's what we 're trying to preserve.
2: It's really quite remarkable how many people of color, like you said, BIPOC communities, um, are really saying, I, I've i been in business online only, now I want a place, I want br- uh, brick and mortar, I want to get out there and let people know we exist. Is there a challenge um, for the corridor where... People are not getting the people in. I know you mentioned a little bit of this right at the beginning, and I know there are challenges, but how do we make sure that we can move people towards that corridor? Or is it that people are not feeling safe enough to go into that area again?
0: That's a great question. Um, I really feel like 2022 is going to be a pivotal year for that. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be a a tipping point. I, I think it's, you know, our collective healing has already started. Um, we are reconstructing on a number of vacant lots. People are returning to the corridor. Uh, we had a very successful open streets event a few weeks ago. Uh, we had the Black Entrepreneur State Fair uh, at Chicago and Lake um, on one of these lots and parking lots that have not been redeveloped yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, you know, we're open for business. Uh, many of these uh, businesses that uh, Midori uh, Floating World Cafe back up and running. So, yes, it's it's very saddening to see Shop's Saddle Store uh, close down after more than a 100-year run. Um, it's one of the oldest on the corridor. Uh, but we're also extremely excited to see so many new businesses that are popping. Uh, a lot, You know, I'm at the State Fair right now, and there are a lot of folks... Uh, going to some of the businesses that are actually relocating to uh, Lake Street soon. Oh, um, wonderful. So, yeah, we're excited about some of those, those prospects.
2: My biggest concern when I drive down Lake Street all the way, I go as far as I can go, and I am just blown away when I get to the Mississippi River and I'm, I'm counting in my head because I can't write it down while I'm driving, but I'm counting in my head how many of those buildings that were destroyed have not been replaced, right, has not been rebuilt. Um, and so we still see a lot of that, and that's discouraging to people. When do you think we're going to see that area completely renewed?
0: Yeah, that's an excellent question. And a lot of those buildings were owned uh, by BIPOC, BIPOC property owners. Um, Most of the damage, most of the businesses that we've helped to recover, Mm -hmm. and there were more than 400 businesses damaged. Um, You know, most were run by uh, or owned by immigrants, low-income entrepreneurs, and BIPOC families. Um, But we are going to see some really exciting redevelopment. So, if you were driving from the river and heading west on Lake Street, you would come, uh, you know, up to 26th, 27th Avenue South right near the third precinct building. And we all know where yes. that is. We all yes. saw what happened there. Um, yes. There were a number of buildings that perished into flame, uh, you know, in, in the days uh, during that civil unrest. Uh, there's one called the Coliseum building. It used to be owned by the uh, Freeman family. Um, and that's, uh, we're expecting the, the uh, nonprofit developer to close on that building. Uh, it's a very, it's a three-story, classic brick building. It's just received uh, historical status, um, and uh, we expect this fall uh, for that to reopen. And one of your friends, somebody you've interviewed before, Chris Montana, the owner of mm-hmm. North Spirit, uh, is planning on mm-hmm. putting a, a tasting room on the first floor of that building. Oh, um, awesome. there will also be uh, on the third floor uh, sort of space for uh, African-American entrepreneurs uh, to kind of get their businesses going. So they'll be kind of a collective on that third, third floor. Um, and that's only going to happen because of philanthropic sources, some government funding, and uh, the capacity and wherewithal of one of our more successful nonprofits, developers, Stewart Redesign, Inc. Now, if, mm. you, if you keep heading uh, west, you'll get to Chicago and Lake. And uh, the Graves Foundation owns a corner, to the northeast, northwest corner, Northeast corner, uh, multiple owners that are planning and building back. Um, the Sheridan Hotel owner plans to build mm-hmm. back yes. as well probably do a extended stay hotel, uh, neighborhood, uh, uh, development center, uh, has the sort of northeast corner, parts in the northeast corner. Um, you're going to see housing. You're going to see more commercial retail. Uh, if you keep heading west, you go under 35W right. and you'll get to Nicolet. Now, Nicollet is a very interesting intersection, Nicollet and Lake Street. It sort of doesn't exist north of Lake Street because of the Kmart store.
2: Right, right.
0: (laughs) What is going to happen
2: with that, by the way? Do you know what's going to happen?
0: I think really great things are going to happen there. Uh, Here's the best part of it. The city has site control of the Kmart site. It's the largest undeveloped plot of land on Lake Street. Uh, the local neighborhood associations like Whittier Alliance and uh, some of the others, uh, Lindale, I think they're going to have uh, a chance to really go out and talk to business owners, talk to residents, and try to think of what, what do we want to see uh, developed there because it's city owned and it's not going to be a for-profit enterprise. We could really do some creative things. We could create uh, ownership opportunities for entrepreneurs so that they don't just lease their commercial space but maybe they get a piece of the ownership of that. Um, that very model is being uh, experimented uh, half a block south of that section uh, on the Wells Fargo Bank site, which burnt to the ground. Yes, it is. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to rebuild there. And uh, that's a partnership between Wells Fargo and Project for Pride and Living. Another one of our excellent, experienced, creative, savvy nonprofit developers. They're going to put 100 units of very affordable housing and they're going to have four uh, commercial spaces in that structure. But they're going to do something different with those commercial spaces. They're going to create what they're calling commercial condos. So that's a business that is going to move into that space and fix it up for for their needs. But they're going to own that space. They're not going to rent it. They're not going to pay a lease. They're going to pay off the space just like a condominium, so a commercial condo. Yeah, I had a chance to ask
2: some of the, um, yeah, excuse me for interrupting, sir. I I actually asked uh, some uh, owners of their own business, and they decided, you know, I am not leasing anymore. I'm going to own this building, even if it's small, and, you know, I'm going to get out there and just own it. And that's what they did. I remember going to the global world market, I think it's called. Um, oh, sure, the global go- market. Yeah, the global market. And I went in there. It's nothing like I remember it 20 years ago. It's just nothing like it. Um, and I, at first I was disappointed. And then when I went from vendor to vendor, vendor to vendor, I started realizing what a great great way to have all these vendors in this space to be able to make a living. So I got excited, right? Um, So now we're fine. I'm I'm hearing from people saying, I want to buy it. So just like you were saying, they're going to own their space. And that's a really big deal. I'm so excited to hear that. And by the way, my final question, sir, I want to ask you about all of the gentrification on Lake Street that was happening before the George Floyd event happened. Um, we really saw a big difference on Lake Street. I mean, it was changing right before us, before that even happened. And then when that happened, so much other stuff happened after that. Um, Do you think that some of the gentrification that was happening down further, um, going east, do you think that that was was really hard on the communities on Lake Street? Or do you think that that was the thing that encouraged people to do more, build more, be more?
0: You know, that's an excellent question. I'm not sure that there's a really good answer to that. Um, there, you know, I've, I've worked as a nonprofit advocate on urban growth and development issues for over 30 years. Um, I don't know that anyone's found the right mix and formula for when we're doing, you know, kind of strategic redevelopment in an area. Um, how much market rate housing do you want to mix with affordable housing? Um, what kinds of businesses you want to bring in when, you know, storefronts are boarded up and, it's, and you want to see some economic activity. I do know this. When neighborhood leaders work extremely hard to bring a, a community back, they should have the right to stay in that neighborhood. They should be able to live there without fear of their rent going up, their taxes going so high that they have to choose between, you know, living there as in an uh, ownership housing um, or having to move somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. I think we always have to replenish our affordable housing supply so it, you know when we get opportunity and access to lots, we've got to make sure they're affordable. And I'll tell you this, commercial spaces work the same way these days. And, and the reason is, if you're uh, redeveloping one of these lots and maybe there's six or seven that you know we still need to, to turn around. So we're getting close to a full reconstruction, but we're not there yet. But if you're looking at the budget, you're going to say, wow, uh, supply chain issues are really making this a difficult project. Inflation is, rising, is is driving up costs. The labor shortage. All of these things start to contribute to your budget going higher and higher. You build the building. You want to rent out the space uh, commercially. And uh, the vendors that you're, you're trying to court say, I can't pay that rent. So right. we do worry about that. We really worry about affordable commercial space. That's why what what they're doing at Wells Fargo um, is so exciting. You know, it's very experimental. Um, What they're doing at the Coliseum building, that's going to be co-ownership. So Chris Montana is going to end up being a part owner of that building. Um, That's incredible. So,
2: So as you move, I'm so sorry to interrupt you because we have to stop now, but I just wanted to say I am so happy that I got to talk to you, Russ Adams, uh, the Corridor Recovery Initiative Manager of the Lake Street Council. And by the way, I hope First Independence Bank will also get on board if it hasn't already. So uh, congratulations on all that you are doing, and I I hope to have an update from you soon. You take care of yourself. Thank you, Carolyn.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network,